Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Support for today's show comes from Google Play. Y'all know I love to read. I say all the time, readers are leaders. Well, sometimes life can be full and sitting to read a book is hard. Did you know that you can now download and listen to audiobooks on Google Play? That's right. With hands-free listening using Google Assistant or Chromecast, you can enjoy thousands of titles, all a cart, no subscription necessary. While you're folding the laundry, shopping at the grocery store, or my favorite, driving all over the town, taking my kids to all the places they have to be, you can listen to your favorite books. Those are the places I listen to my favorite books. I just announced our September book club pick. And if you listened last week to the show, you may have guessed what it would be. And yes, it is the book that I wrote. If you only knew, it released this past January. We're gonna read in our book club next month. And you guys, Google Play has the book available. For a limited time, you get $10 off your first book by visiting g.co slash play slash happy hour. That's g.co slash play slash happy hour. Find your story with audiobooks on Google Play. Happy Wednesday, you guys. You are listening to episode number 207. And before I tell you my guests, I need to tell you my kids went back to school yesterday. All of the amens and the hallelujahs and the high fives from them heard around the world. But you are listening to episode number 207. And my guest today is Liz Weiss. I first heard of Liz while setting up for a happy hour live event and Aaron put some music on for us. And halfway through the first song, I had to stop and find out who was this beautiful voice that I was listening to. And it was this girl, Liz Weiss. I've been listening to her music ever since. On today's show, Liz shares with us the surprising path her life took to become the musician that she is today. Liz shares a lot about how God has been speaking to her heart about being a woman in the church. Listen to what she has to say about this right here. And then I realized, oh, God loves women. And I don't think I ever really believed that. And not in like this, women who can bake and sew and just want to have babies. Like I always, when I think about being a Christian wife, it was always, can you bake? Can you sew? Can you take care of the home? Do you want a bunch of kids? So what does it look like to be able to do those beautiful things, but also run a business? God loves women. Ladies, He does love you. I don't know if you're believing that today or if you can't even say those words out loud. Wherever you are in your faith journey, I want you to know that God loves you. I hope you're gonna hear me say that you are loved. Our conversation today is just like two women sitting down to get to know each other's stories. And I hope that you leave today's show feeling empowered to share your story with women in your life. One of the things that's been really fun for us at the happy hour this summer is our book club. I love doing the book club every summer, and we have read some phenomenal books this summer. And one of the things that you guys keep saying is, can we keep doing this book club thing? And listen, while I can't tell you that we can keep doing this forever, but I can tell you we're going one more month, you guys. Join us for our September book club. It's a book that I'm pretty fond of. It feels weird to say, but I really believe it's an important book. I believe in the message. That's why I wrote it. So we're going to read the book that I released in January. It's called If You Only Knew. It's my story. It's shared as an invitation to all of you guys that read it to see your story through the eyes of the gospel. I go first. I share my story. For so long, my greatest fear was, what would you think about me if you knew my whole story? What would you think about me if you knew some of the things I've struggled with in the past, some of the things that I struggle with currently? 
You know, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is vulnerability. And I believe that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So what I hope for you is that you grab some girlfriends or even some new friends and commit to say, let's read this book together and then let's talk about it. So join us next month for our book club as we read If You Only Knew. We have a group discussion guide that you can download and you get that in our newsletter. We have an online community on Facebook and Instagram. I'm gonna do live chats throughout the month. I'm even doing a giveaway on Instagram right now. I'm giving away five books plus a really cute four things tote to go with it. It ends today. So make sure you get over there and join that. Find all the information at jamieivy.com to order your book today. Follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, and you're gonna be able to get the details on where to join us for our book club. Now, you guys, here is my conversation with my new friend and such a fabulous singer, Liz Weiss. Hey, Liz, welcome to the happy hour. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so glad to have you. Go ahead and introduce yourself just like the smallest elevator pitch introduction to my listeners because they might not be familiar with who you are. Hi, my name is Liz Weiss and I am a West Coast kid with an East Coast life. I just stole that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that actually. I stole that from a rap that my friend wrote for me. And he's probably the only person who could ever get me to rap on one of his songs. Ever. <laughs> so you're not going to rap for me today? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. No. It's off the table. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you're from West Coast. Yes. Living in Brooklyn. Yeah. Doing music. Yep. <laughs> okay. I want to tell you how I first heard about you. So okay. last fall. Um, I do these happy hour live events, which are just the most fun ever. In fact, we have one coming up in about a month. And so I do these events and my husband's setting up and he's setting up all the sound and he puts this music on and like halfway through the song, I stop. I'm like, I've never heard this. Who is this? He's like, mm-hmm. it's this new person I just found out and it was you. And so I've been loving your music ever since then. And so I've been following you and thought I need to get you on the happy hour because I want to hear all about your life and what you're doing. So that's how I found out about you. I know. So tell me what took you from West Coast to East Coast? Is it music? Music. um, I moved from Portland, Oregon to help plant a church in Brooklyn as a worship leader something that I never thought I would do. I didn't even think I would do music. So I still feel like when I'm interviewed about music, I can only Uh give you four years of my experience in this field. And so I'd wanted to live in New York for a long time. I went to film school. I received a full ride scholarship to a school in Virginia that I thought if I go to that school and get my master's in producing, I can inch my way up to New York City and I can live here. But I have these instances of tiny little whispers, but mostly little, little nudges. And I just knew it wasn't time to leave Portland. And my niece was going to be born and I didn't want to miss out on her birth. Mm -hmm. And I turned down that full ride scholarship to college and stayed in Portland and got hired to work on a TV show called Portlandia doing background casting for Uh the TV show. And The day after I wrapped working on that film, so two and a half months later after turning down film school to wrapping, working on that TV show, I was asked to sing on this compilation record that my church put out. Mm -hmm. And I had never been a part of a church that had worship music that I actually wanted to listen to. No, Uh Uh, none taken. (laughs) And... 
I sang this song called Enfold Me. I was so tired. I didn't know a lot of these songs. And I sang harmonies. And then Josh asked me, Josh White, he's the one who wrote my first record, asked me, do you want to sing Enfold Me? Because that was the first song I had ever sang at church as a solo because I, uh-huh. I hated singing in front of people. I still get really nervous every show. Okay. And I sang that on that track. I sang that whole song on that track. And then people were asking me when my record was coming out. If I and you're was like, wait, I don't singer. do this. Right. I was like, yeah. no, you guys holding them by the shoulders. Right. Looking them in the eyes. This is a one time thing. And I'm in the studio. So you're not singing in front of a crowd of people. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, this is a one time thing. That was fun. I'll sing harmonies. No big deal. Like, I remember always looking at the ground and always being barefoot when I would sing because I was afraid I would faint because I would be so nervous. And then slowly music started to really open up. And it's weird because I felt like, okay, so this path is opening up. Am I supposed to walk down this path? Or can I say, no, that's cute. Right. Do this. And then so many people, when they would hear my voice, would ask if I had a project, if I was doing music full time, where could they buy my music? And I'm like, I don't have music because I don't (laughs) do this. And like, even my closest friends knew that I hated when people said you should be a musician. So they wouldn't tell me. And one time a girlfriend of mine came up and she's like, crying. I know you don't want to hear this, but I really think that music is your calling. And I'm like, no, no, Mm. that's really cute. But no, but no, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. But no, thank you. Sorry. Not sorry. So you have really only been doing music for a couple of years. I mean, so I sang on that record in 2010. If I would have gone to film school, I wouldn't be doing music. What year was that scholarship? This was in 2010. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This was post-graduating from college. Like I was on dialysis for three and a half years for kidney failure. Didn't think I would live very long and got a transplant and was like, okay, bonus life. So I'm going to go to school for what I want to do. And I wanted to be an actress and those things didn't work out. I was poor and I couldn't afford headshots for ABC teens and kids. Um, And so I decided I'm going to go to school to make the movies that I want to see. And I graduated and I worked in production and I would sing here and there and maybe sing on the worship team at this church in Portland, maybe twice a month or whenever anyone needed a sub. And then I had a lot of musician friends because that's Portland and I would sing harmonies and it was so fun. And I didn't have any responsibility other than singing harmonies. And then all of a sudden the tables started to turn and I was on the road and I got asked if I wanted to do handle the casting, the background casting for a TV show. And I was on the road and I was like, I feel like I'm at a fork right now to where I have to decide, am I going to do music or am I going to continue to work into production? But I was on the road and so I couldn't take that job. And so it kind of felt like my hand was forced into music, into music. And I hear so many incredible stories that there are times where I'm like, 
how can I not do one more show after hearing this story? Mm. Or how can I not do one more show when these people have their arms wrapped around each other and they might not ever talk to each other after this moment? How can I not do one more show? And then I do all the admin work and I'm like, I know exactly. <laughs> because this is a lot of work. How I cannot <laughs> do one more show. And people have their quote unquote real jobs. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, and you do music. So what's your real job? Music isn't a nine to five. It is a 12 to 24 hour thing. Mm-hmm. And even when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, no, I'm going to take a moment to take a deep breath before I start answering emails. But then you have text messages. Hey, we need an answer about this show by Friday, or mm-hmm. we need you to send us a voiceover for your Spotify advertisement. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And these are things no one else can do for me. Are you running a one man show? I mean, kind of. I mean, sometimes I feel like, man, this is so messy. No one will ever want to work with me because I'm booking flights. I'm organizing musicians. I've trained people to help me in certain areas. And then there are certain areas that only I do. Um, But I want to train someone else. So it can feel like a one band show. But recently... Mm -hmm. With the second record, I said, I don't want to do this by myself. Yeah. Um, I had management before and it just wasn't working out for what I feel like I'm necessarily called to do. I don't consider myself industry standards. I don't know if I'm like super indie indie because I'm playing like big shows and I wasn't playing coffee shop gigs for 10 years. And then someone said, Mm -hmm. hey, let me make a record for you. It literally was I sold out my very first show in 10 days. Someone was at that show and said, hey, would you open up for Cody Chestnut? Someone was at that show. Hey, would you open up for St. Paul and the Broken Bones? Someone was at that show. Hey, would you play the Blues Festival? And I'm like, "Uh, okay, I guess I got to put a band together because I'm not a band. And so it's just kind of been like that. And I had management for two and a half years and it didn't really work out for me and So I've just been trying to figure out what does it look like to one, continue in doing music because it's a lot of work. And two, what does it look like to delegate certain tasks, knowing that I can't pay people a livable wage. Right. Right. And so because I can't do that, then you just do the work. And then the artistry is kind of like so secondary because I need to make sure that certain things are plugged in. And I forget certain things like, oh, I forgot to sign that contract or Uh I don't want to just sign these contracts and not know what they're actually saying. So they just slowly go down in the email pile. And so if I'm going to do this right, then I became LLC'd recently. Okay, Uh so now I have a business. So if someone sues me, they can steal my assets, which would be laughable because my net worth is zero. (laughs) And now I want to build a team, but I really have a desire to build a team of women to empower them. The music industry is very male dominated, even Mm -hmm. celebrity wise. I worked in the film industry, which is very male dominated, nothing against the men. We meet them. We love them. But what does it look like to empower women? And mostly Mm -hmm. I want to empower women because I want to be reminded that I too have a say in how my career goes, that I too need to be empowered. And I do have a power 
And if I have a platform, what does that look like to lift other women up? Where did you learn about that wanting to empower women? Did you have good women role models in your life? I mean, it's complex. So I grew up in a single parent home. My mom raised five kids by herself. Mm. I come from a line of very strong women. My older brother recently told me, you have dart eyes. Right. My baby brother, I remember one time he told me something that really disappointed me. And he was like, why are you looking at me like that? Like what? With those disappointed eyes. I'm like, you know what? This is a gift. So I grew up in that environment. It wasn't, I wouldn't say like, oh, this is, I would want anyone to grow up in this environment. I'm in therapy now to kind of undo Mm -hmm. some things. But going to church, my faith in Jesus, where I don't really see a lot of women empowered nor did I care because I was like, I don't want to be a pastor. So what does it matter? But I've always been told, Liz, you're so intimidating. You're so strong. You're so courageous. And I resented that because I felt like strong, courageous, intimidating women don't get married because men are Christian men are afraid of them. But Mm. then I started doing music and my platform was over men and women. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like telling my story, even my faith journey, which might be too conservative for the world, but too liberal for the conservatives. So Mm -hmm. where do I, where do I belong? And now I've been placed on a platform to where I'm, I'm teaching or speaking about these truths, these overarching truths that all people can relate to, not just people who know Jesus, but like people humans that we all can relate to forgiveness and that we're not really good at forgiving ourselves and that we need to love ourselves first before we can ever attempt to love someone else because we how we treat people might be a reflection of how we actually treat ourselves what does it look like to really love your neighbor the person right next to you who might have a different story from you that you've been taught is scary And you should avoid those people. What does that look like to love them anyways? What does that look like to put your arm around a complete stranger when we are so taught to be individuals? This is my bubble. This is my space. Do not violate it. Every show I do, people put their arms around each other. And it is my icebreaker song. It is a closing of the gap between me and the audience. And so I found myself being used in this platform where people are now asking me to speak at conferences. And I'm like, what the? (laughs) I'm okay with doing music, kind of. I've only been doing Yeah, barely. Like I'm still on the edge. And sometimes people challenge me in that they're like, well, this is like a dream. You should be so thankful you get to do this. And I'm like, have you ever toured before? Mm. This is really hard and exhausting. It's not just singing. You don't know what kind of heavy spirits people are bringing into these spaces. And I carry that stuff. I'm so sensitive to feel and vibe that if it's heavy, I feel it on my soul. And so I have to work extra hard to be more energetic, to be like, okay, you guys are like sleeping bears in a Mm -hmm. den. Let's wake up. I only have an hour with you. And so I'm being used in this platform. And then I realized, oh, God loves women. And I don't think I ever really believed that. 
and not in like this women who can bake and sew and just want to have babies. Like I always, when I think about being a Christian wife, it was always, can you bake? Can you sew? Can you take care of the home? Do you want a bunch of kids? So what does it look like to be able to do those beautiful things, but also run a business and like mentor teenagers, which I've done and go out and travel the world alone or with a group of people Mm -hmm. to remind women that they're not alone. What does it look like? I'm a tall woman. My voice is deep. I sound like I smoke cigarettes every day. I don't. (laughs) It's 1125 and I still sound raspy. And I always feel like I carry myself in a way that some people would be intimidating. And so I never felt super docile and feminine. And then you hear other women when you open up and say, I have never felt feminine. I don't really like to wear a lot of makeup. I hate shopping. My nail polish, I will do my nails and then I will put my jacket on and it's ruined. And it's like, whatever, it's going to stay like that forever. And so what does femininity mean? And now I'm in the church and you don't really see a lot of women in leadership teaching. And so now I feel like God is using me in that way. And it's scary because where do I belong? And so I just felt like it's not like misery loves company, but all right, if I feel this way, someone else has to feel Uh this way. And I'm finding more and more women wondering what is their place in following Jesus. And then I read scripture and I'm like, from page one, Jesus loves people and women were like these warriors that were so faithful and were doing the work, but were so oppressed, but they still overpowered. Like their oppression did not stop them from the truth of this man who was teaching us what love looks like. If you want to know who this invisible Yahweh is, look at me. And what was Jesus doing? First of all, people are like, okay, so you were born on a fornication. Your mom got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Okay, we believe that. (laughs) Second, his stepdad, Joseph, some say died when he was young, but I'm sure he got teased like, that's not even your real dad. Third, he grew up really poor. And so Jesus was drawn to these broken people because those are the people he grew up with. And so he started talking to these men who were considered unclean because they had health issues. And so people equated health issues with not having enough faith. And then he's talking to women, which is like, oh, no, you're talking to that dog. And Jesus is like, these people are more faithful than the people who are in the synagogues. And so when he started saying, and not only am I born on a fornication that you say, and I talk to women and people who are considered unclean and sinners, I'm also God in the flesh. Yeah. How long did his ministry last? Three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And so I have to remind myself that there will be places that I will not be invited into because I am a woman and I am speaking scripture to people, men and women. And it might not be in the, I said Jesus's name 5,000 times so that, you know, I'm a follower. I might be drinking some bourbon or some tequila, hanging out with someone who's an atheist, but we're having a conversation. That is love. Because it's all about initiating a conversation. 
What does it look like? Not that I can save them, but what does it look like to just be free to love people, to undo what we've been taught what the enemy looks like? Because there is no love wrapped in fear. If I fear someone based on what they look like, that's not love. If I fear someone based on what country they come from, that's not love. So now I've been given a platform to sing these songs that are very, I mean, singing is just uncomfortable. (laughs) It's awkward, people staring at you. But now I'm like engaging with people that would never step foot in a church. And I'm like, you're really awesome. And I'm actually learning a lot from you. And this is what I've been told love looks like. You guys, I told you school is back. School is back officially for the Ivies as of yesterday. We are just doing high fives around here because one of the things that I love about school is the routine. I don't love the early mornings. Who does? I do love routine. When we start the new school year, I make it a goal to have healthy and quick meals available for my family. The Beyond Burger is made from simple ingredients applied in fresh ways. They use protein from peas, potato starch, and coconut oil without gluten, soy, or GMOs. It's a delicious plant-based Beyond Burger that comes with less baggage and more benefits. So you can eat what you love and feel better while doing it. You've asked me if I really eat the Beyond Meat Burger and the answer is yes. My whole family loves it. Even our friends have tried it and say they don't miss anything with this mouth-watering burger. If you're ready to taste the future of protein made from plants, visit beyondmeat.com slash happy hour and click the where to find button to find a local retailer near you. That's beyondmeat.com slash happy hour. Guys, I also want to thank another sponsor for today's show, and that is Coffee and Crayons, a back-to-school podcast from Target and Slate Studios. You guys, it's back to school. We have said this like 17 times in today's show, but it is. We're done with our summer camps. Kids and parents, we're all ready to get the kids back in school, to get us back on our routine, to get back into learning. But it's also a time for us parents to set our kids up for success and give them the support that they need to thrive. But one of the things that I know to be true is that us mamas, we need support as well. On Coffee and Crayons, host and parent Mallory Kasdan is everyone's back-to-school wing mom. In each episode, Mallory talks compassion, creativity, and inclusion with parenting influencers and everyday people. They'll give tips on how to talk about difficult things with your children and share encouraging stories from real-life parents just like you. Guys, subscribe now to Coffee and Crayons on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here is the rest of my conversation with Liz. When I hear you tell about the crossroad that you had from Mm -hmm. film school to music, and then I hear you talk about, you sound very passionate about what you get to do with your music, how you're getting to talk to these people about love and Jesus who might not step foot in a church. Do you look back at that crossroad? Like, do you ever think, what would my life be like had I done that? Mm -hmm. Or are you pretty confident that, man, I can see God, this is exactly where you had me to be? Um, (laughs) I wish. There are times where I'm like, man, what would it look like to just go and live in Paris and work at a coffee shop and sit by the water and go? I think we all have wondered that before. (laughs) And then I'm like, I have a record coming out. So I have to see how that's going to work out before I can think about moving to Europe and traveling and working at a coffee shop, um, which I've never done before. Yeah. So, I mean, there are days like, so for instance, I played a show in Southern California 
And it was the most powerful show I've ever played where I felt like I saw myself on my knees with my hands in the air. This was at the Siren in Morro Bay, which is gorgeous. And they are so great and were so kind to me. And I saw this woman, this older woman dancing with this guy who was helping me on stage, the sound guy, and Mm -hmm. he and his boyfriend. And they all have their arms around each other because this is during the part where we put our arms around each other. And I see this woman and she's smiling and the sound guy, he's smiling and his boyfriend, he's smiling and all these people are smiling and crying. And I get off stage and I'm signing autographs and she finally comes up to me, this older woman. And she tells me I had a brain tumor and I could not walk for a year. I had to learn how to walk again. And I just remembered that all I wanted to do was dance. I just wanted to dance. And I got to do that tonight. So thank you. Mm. And it's like, how am I going to say I'm so tired. I cannot continue to do this. That is a great story. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't scream what Jesus did, where people were like, all I wanted to do was be healed so I could be around my family because I've been sick for so long and I've been excommunicated because of my illness, because I've been told I don't have enough faith. And Jesus is like, girl, your sins are forgiven or because of your faith, you are healed or you are loved. You are seen. I see you. And what does that look like for me to be on a platform to say, man, we are so loved. We are so loved and we are so free to love one another. And everything else is so secondary. And even love has been made into like this very, very sentimental thing to where even when I say love, it feels like so gooey and just cheesy and cringy but it's like no love love can be given even if it's not returned and so while I'm like pouring my heart out on stage sometimes there are people who look like I hate you in the audience and I'm like you still gotta give of yourself in a way to where maybe one person even if they're passing on the street and they heard a song that one person might be reminded that their prayers have been heard or that they are seen or that they are loved. And I can't just pack up everything and go to Paris because I know that that nudge that got me on stage to sing on the worship team will follow me. It'll be like Jumanji. <laughs> you'll, be on, you'll be doing this in Paris is what you'll be doing. I hope so. You'll be on the worship team in Paris. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm, that might be another podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> Are you still at the church that you moved to New York City to start? No. I actually, after I perform- had a show in Detroit, which I was invited to lead worship at this conference for racial reconciliation, which I thought was beautiful, mm-hmm. I knew that it was time to step down. Like I could feel it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so maybe I'll step down in April or when I really start touring. And it was just like, no, you're going to step down sooner because you're going to need to get ready for where this next record is going to bring you. And I literally have no idea where this next record is going to lead me. And so March 1st was my official like, all right, 
now I'm stepping into doing music full time. That income that I had from working at the church is gone. Yeah. I'm in one of the most expensive cities in America. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm saying, oh, I feel like God wants me to do music, but I don't know how he's going to take care of me. <laughs> and my rent costs as much as what it would cost to rent a mansion in any other state. And so I don't know how I'm going to survive here, but I know that I needed to step down to make room for this next season. Mm-hmm. And so here I am in the nebulous of, okay, so my record is out there and uh, yeah, let's do this. I don't know what this looks like, but let's do this. Okay. So your second album, which you're uh, talking about, is called Save Me, released June 1st. And actually in full disclosure, we're recording this the day before your release day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now it's September. So we Mm -hmm. cannot predict the future by any means. It was good. How do you feel the day before? I mean, because what you're telling me is you stepped down from security, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. to give this everything, mm-hmm. and tomorrow's the day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You feel good about it? I mean, I woke up and I'm like, okay, one more day. Like my hand is against the wall and I'm squatting to give birth to this baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've never given birth, but I did watch Call of the Midwives. Call of the Midwives. So you know, you know. And I watch my niece's birth. And so I have a very, like, my sympathetic nerve is real. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. My first record was written by someone else who heard my voice and said, I feel like the Lord wants me to give you these songs. And then we release it, which is was free, and there was no like PR. Mm -hmm. We released it, and then it was on the billboards and Grammy ballot. It's like, how is that possible? Right? Who who submitted this? I would get text messages from friends. Hey, did you know that your your record is mentioned in Pitchfork? I'm like, who 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 submitted that? Or Relevant Magazine just said you're one of the top artists to listen to. And I didn't know this until people like would send me text messages. But now this record, I thought I would move to New York City and no one would know I was a musician. And I lead worship at a church. I applied for a coffee shop job. That resume sucked because I've only worked in film. So it was like really sad resume. Yeah. And I'll be a nanny or whatever and I'll stop doing music. And it was like Jumanji, like, nope, you have to make a second record. And I'm like, who's paying for this? And I cracked open my savings. And I had another friend who said, I want to partner with you in this because I believe in what's going on. And I paid for my record out of pocket. I wrote all of my songs with a couple of friends. One person I met on set six years ago. The other person is a spoken words artist who does hip hop. And he would send me these poems and I would turn them into songs and make them more personal. And one of the first songs I ever wrote save me. I wrote in bed. And I wrote that when I was so afraid of singing and wondering why I was so afraid. Why am I so scared to let God use me in this way? And why am I so scared to let God use me in this way in front of an audience that doesn't believe in God? Mm. And so I wrote save me so that he could remove me out of my way so that I would understand that this is something so much bigger than my body so much bigger than my fear 
and I was being invited into the mystery. And so now I have a second record that is all about my life, about empowering women, about, I mean, there's one song that was written that feels kind of political, but it was written before the election. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, I, these songs are perfect timing and I would not have done that myself without the influence of something in the spiritual realm. Like there are songs floating above us at all times and all we have to do is reach up and pull it down. And sometimes I'm staring at it for a long time and sometimes a melody comes with it and I don't know what to do with it. Save Me was more upbeat and faster. And the producers I was working with, they were like, "Uh, we need a ballad. And so we're not going to use Save Me. And I could not sleep. I said, so you turned it into a ballad? I turned it into a ballad. Me and Uh my pianist. I said, Jackie, this song has to be on the record. Can we turn this into a ballad? And then I FaceTimed her and she started playing the piano and it was so like there was a delay and like I would sing a line and then I would hear the piano later. Mm -hmm. And she happened to be in New York City for a show that we did and we turned it into a ballad. That's Um, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So how do you being, you know, a person of faith, how do you incorporate that into your shows or do you? I mean, I do. It's not like, all right, release Everyone the stop and pray. Yeah. Everyone stop and pray. Take a sip of this wine, which is the blood that has been shed for you. No, it is a story of my testimony. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what the church looks like, look at me. I mean, that's the kind of church I go to. A church that's filled with broken, imperfect people who have gone through a lot of hardships, but have chosen to get out of bed every day. And that's not hard to do. It's not hard to walk into a venue with the mindset of, oh, I can't actually save you or convince you to believe in God because honestly, I'm having some doubts of, of my own today. So let me see if God will speak to me. And he does. When I see people who don't know each other put their arms around one another, when I see people of different ethnicities, put their arms around one another, when people are singing back with me, when I see people crying, Mm -hmm. when I get invited to play venues based on an experience someone had at a show in the past and ended up being a promoter for another venue and invited me in. Like, I don't know. It's a mystery. It is not black and white. It is an invitation to participate in the mystery. And I don't know how it works. And there are times where people are like, I felt this light shoot out from you into my soul. And this guy was really creepy who said this, uh-huh. but I believe him. I believe that he, he was like, I do bad things. I've killed people. And believe me, I was like, okay, but interesting. Uh-huh. And he said, when you open your mouth, it was, it was like, it just shot into my soul and it stopped me. I believe that he had an experience, even if I didn't. Like, I believe him. I believe when this woman says, I'm an atheist, but I love your message of love. I'm like, okay, that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, God is love. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. He was very radical. He was not religious. So what does that look like to just say, I follow Jesus, and it's not very conservative. It's not very logical. It's kind of radical. 
And you might even get ostracized from people who say they follow Jesus too. But what does it look like to not be afraid to lose your pride? Because you're not being invited into those circles, but you're being invited into the lives of people who are like, man, I'm a recovering alcoholic or whatever the story is. Um, It's really an honor. Mm. Well, I can tell just from talking to you and hearing you talk about it that you don't take that lightly either getting on a stage. Um, I can, I can hear it in your voice that you, that it's a pretty sacred hour for you that you get to spend with that audience and that you really, really value it and feel as though it's a privilege and honor to have the voice there over them. So thanks for your music. Yeah. I mean, I don't always have a good attitude when I (laughs) allow the exhaustion of driving and booking flights and personalities of certain musicians or personalities of venues where they're like, we need more tickets to be sold. And in my heart, I'm like, Yo, the people that are there are going to be the people that need to be there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that people got to make money. So what do you do when you live in a society where money talks? Yep. And so it's hard for me not to feel that pressure and feel anxious. But once I get on stage, there has to be, uh, okay, I legit cannot think about the fact that this place isn't sold out. Mm -hmm. And that I feel embarrassed because the promoters like, ah, oh, this place didn't sell out. Yeah. I have to separate that self. And, and I, I had that epiphany that it is an honor to be invited into the lives of these people because these people are fragile. They have their opinions about Jesus and church. I do too. And you cannot be aggressive. My mom always said you get more bees with honey than with vinegar. And so you got to go in there with love, with love eyes mm-hmm. and, and think this isn't us versus them. Like, thank you for inviting me into your space, no matter how many people are there. Mm-hmm. When I tour with other musicians, thank you for letting me share the stage with you, no matter how many people are there. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's been so fun getting to hear about your passion for singing, which you never even knew was going to be your passion or yeah, your job, yeah. which yeah, I just find that so hilarious um, <laughs> that you're like, I'm going to stay in Portland to see my niece be born. And then yeah. I'm actually going to become a musician. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Change I mean, of I, life plans. Oh yeah. So you thought you were going to be broke working in film. Well, let me tell <laughs> right. you. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, I've been able to pay my rent. I've never been without food. Uh-huh. I've never been able to not go on a trip that I've wanted to go because of lack of funds. Like I've been given the gift of being frugal since I was a child mm-hmm. and I spend my money on the things that are important to me mm. and I'm just really good with money. And it's honestly a miracle that well, it comes to help when you live in New York city and oh, man. you're a musician. So good for you. <laughs> um, okay. Hey Liz, what three things are you loving right now? Oh, in life or I, you know, you know, whatever, like you're like, I want to text my girlfriend because I need to tell her about these things. I love that. I'm having more things revealed to me about the importance of empowering women. Mm-hmm. I love meeting other women that are like me too. I want to be empowered. I love that. I get to do music my way that fits my personality and I love that I am meeting people slowly but surely that are really excited to be a part of this movement. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Are you a reader? Are you reading anything these days? 
Yeah, I'm actually reading a book called Fashion Terrain, and okay. it talks about empowering women in the church. Mm-hmm. What's it called? And why it's important. Fashioned Terrain. I mean, okay. it might be a controversial book to some, but it's blowing my mind. Well, I am going to put up everywhere that we can find you, and I'll be already be jamming to this new album for a long time before the show ever comes out. So yes. um, there's that. And so it's just been an honor to have you on the happy hour. Thanks so much for coming on here and sharing your story and encouraging women to just rise yeah. up and be all that God has for them. Yeah. Um, and girl, I hope that the next couple of months of this new album just blow your mind. I feel like it will because I can't believe I made it. And are you coming to Texas anytime? Actually, I need to email my agent because I have to do a private show for a donor in Texas. Oh. So we'll see. I don't know. That's a whole nother story. Well, you know, Austin, that's where I am. And we like to here. So come on. I love it. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak on your podcast. It's an honor. You guys, I love football and I love tailgating and it's all coming right around the corner. Add some sizzle to your grill with a revolutionary burger that satisfies even the most ravenous of carnivores. The Beyond Meat is a mouthwatering masterpiece. It is the only plant-based burger that is so meaty. You guys, they sell it in the meat case at your local grocery store. If you're ready to taste the future protein, visit beyondmeat.com slash happy hour to find a local retailer near you. That's beyondmeat.com slash happy hour. You guys, here's what I need you to do right now. I need you to go find Liz Vice wherever you get music. Her voice is so beautiful. It's so fabulous. We have links on our webpage where you can find Liz available in the show notes. In fact, just so you know, everything we ever talk about, any advertiser we ever do, anything we ever tell you to do, if you go to jamieivy.com slash blog, all of the notes are there. They're always there. Also, to make it super easy, subscribe to the Happy Hour newsletter every week and you're gonna get that delivered right to your inbox. It's super easy. Go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. Sign up, get the show notes every single week delivered straight to your inbox. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Katie Davis Majors. You may know her from her blog and her book, Kisses from Katie. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I'll see you guys back here next week with my friend Katie.